Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Hey, we've been in a series about David, and I want to jump right in. Today, the title of our message, my message is this, The King Without a Castle. If I give it a subtitle, it'll be, Where Do I Fit? My hope today is this, that we'll shed some light on the conflict we faced between when God showed us the vision, the castle, the end result, in our current situation. Because it's in between my calling and my current situation that I find the conflict. It's in between those two places where I start to wonder, where do I fit? My goal today is simply this. I want to help you to experience the uncommon sensation of achievement in every season of your life. You're wondering where I got that phraseology from, huh? They're never going to know. No one's going to know. But I do believe you can experience this in every season of your life. It's a matter of understanding the season. Because when you don't understand, you find yourself feeling like, what is going on right now? But if you understand the season you're in, you can understand how to achieve in the season that you're in. And I want to help us do just that today. We're going to jump right in. But before we do, I believe what you say matters. I'm a true believer in that. You speak things over your life. So I want you to declare some things with me right now. You ready? We're going to declare this together. On the count of three. One, two, three. I will experience the uncommon sensation of achievement in every season. See, now you said it, but, but I want you to declare it. You can say things, but declare it over your life so that all of hell knows, anything that comes against you knows, this is how I'm going to live life. Now let's try that again. On the count of three, declare it. I will experience the uncommon sensation of achievement in every season. Yes, you will. Let's get right into the Word of God. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 says this. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Keep that in mind. 1 Samuel 22, 3 says this. Later David went to Mezbah in Moab, where he asked the king, please allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. One last set of verses, first, 2 Samuel 5, 1, 2, 3. He's made it. This is the moment. Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron, and they told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anoint him king of Israel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together, God. We pray that your word would speak to us. You'd speak through me, God. Touch your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We've been in this series on the life of David, like I said earlier. Now, we're going to go through eight weeks on David's life. And there's so many things in there. David is the most developed character in the Old Testament. In fact, David is one of the most developed characters in the Bible, second to Christ himself. And I think sometimes there's so much scripture dedicated to David because we can look at his life and see someone like us in the pursuit of Christ. You know, earlier this week, someone asked me, actually just yesterday, someone asked me, they said, uh, what do you like about David? You got one thing? It wasn't a second later. I said, yeah, I got one thing. I like the fact that no matter how many times David fell, he never stopped chasing Christ. He never allowed his history to determine his destiny. He always stayed in full pursuit of God. And that, to me, 
is why the man after God's heart matters so much. But there are other aspects of David's life that I think kind of attract me personally to David. Maybe it's because of this, I think, maybe the social media era. Because when I look at David's life, if I skim over David's life, I can see a lot of reels, but miss the real. Reels, R-E-E-L-S, 60-second clips that we watch on six-second screens, and we want to determine life based on the reels. You've seen people reels every week they're on vacation. That's just not true. But every week they're on vacation. Their family's perfect. They're always smiling. <laughs> Everyone smiles. Smile. Everyone's smiling. Every picture, you're like, I wish my family was like that because these reels look amazing. I think David would have had the best reels ever. Can you imagine that? Like when you got anointed with oil? I don't know how you read your Bible. I read my Bible different. When I read my Bible, I see things. And when I see David get anointed with oil, it's like this. <laughs> like a shampoo commercial. Here, just waving. <laughs> Give me more. That, that's how I see him get anointed. And what about when he took down the bear? That's a real. Can you imagine that? When he slayed the lion? If you're single in here and you want to get married, I just gave you the key. What do you do for a living? Slay bears. Lions, too. Barehanded. You'll be married today, right away. I'm telling you. But what about when he took out Goliath? That would have made quite the real. You would have boomeranged it. Some of you don't know what boomerang is. You're not alone. I just figured it out. It's when you make the video do the same thing over and over again. You would have boomeranged him taking out Goliath. And, and as, as amazing as reels are, reels are not the real. The R-E-A-L. What happens in between the high points of life? where most of us spend most of our time, where all of us actually spend most of our time in the real. I had this thought, if my real were reels, they wouldn't be that exciting. If my real were reels, you see moments of frustration, moments of anger. You see moments of disappointment. You see those moments where, where Fear crept in. It was, it was brief. It was brief, but fear crept in. It pushed faith out. It was for a moment, but it was real. And that's where you find most people dealing with their real. And we understand that from a cognitive perspective. We know that most of us are dealing with the real, but emotionally, we wish life were a series of reels. One high point after the next high point after the next high point. And I get it. Because life would make more sense then. Because God gave you the vision, the high point, the moment of truth. And you could see where you fit in the vision. It made sense to you. But it didn't put you in the valley. And you're saying, wait a minute. I saw where I fit in the vision. I do not see where I fit in the valley. And if you're not careful, you'll start taking God's moments of delay. You'll call them denials. You'll take his moments of preparation, he'll say this is punishment. If I were to put it in biblical terms, I'd say this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes the heart uncomfortable, the mind uncertain, and situations feel unsustainable. And in various seasons, you can feel as though hope is being deferred. And you start to ask the question, Where's the castle you promised me when you anointed me for this season? 
Where's the castle? I saw what you showed me. Where is it now? And many of us are in that place, are walking through that place, because you know, I heard you clearly, God. I heard, I heard you. You know that commercial? Can you hear me now? Yes, God, I hear you. Call through what? Oh, I can do that. I'm a boss. I can boss. Uh-huh. Run the show? Obviously. You picked the right person. What, what else? You, <laughs> I can lead many. Come on. Speak, Lord. And then you hang up and you're like, I'm stepping to the mountaintop. But then he drops you right in the valley. And you're looking around like, this does not look like what you saw, showed me. You put me in this crazy family. And I'm supposed to be the peacemaker? Some people know, some don't. I thought I'd be running the company. I got the lowest position. Or I got the position and I lost it. All my life I wanted to be a homemaker. You put that in my heart. That was my desire. I wanted to raise the best kids, treat my husband right, have a picket fence, have the whole nine, but now I'm a single mom. Or it feels like divorce is knocking at the door. And by the way, why does their season look so different than my season? In my season, I'm striving and I'm pushing, and I'm trying to get this thing. And in their season, they're thriving in the exact same thing. Why? And you start asking the question, will this promise come to pass in my lifetime? Anointed to be a pastor, anointed to be a lawyer, anointed to be a doctor, anointed to be a speaker, anointed to be a worship leader, anointed to do all these things, and you know it, but you're walking through your valley. We know we have a promised place, but we struggle with our current position. But let me tell you this, you're in good company. You're in good company. Joseph had a dream, let's call it a promise. Ends up as a prisoner. Ends up in Potiphar's house. Ends up in prison. Ends up in the palace. And his life goes through this constant ebb and flow of up and down, up and down, up and down. And you look at it and say, oh, this makes for a great story. But hey, this is your life too. And sometimes, let me just throw this in. This is not my notes, but you might need to hear this. Uh, the higher you want to build, the deeper you have to go. If you want your life to be a skyscraper, expect God to deep, deep, dig deep to give you deep foundations. If you want your life to be a shanty shack, okay, you can go this deep. You can walk through no problems ever. But if you're expecting great things, expect God to let, dig deep into your life to take out all the rocks and the boulders and the things that will hold you back and say, hey, there's a calling on this person's life. And I believe there's a calling on your life as well. But David, or, or I say Joseph knew the secret to walking through these times. He knew the secret of the valley. He understood how do I actually achieve this uncommon sensation of achievement? He knew something that all of us tend to forget when we feel like we're being suffocated by the pressures in the valley. He knew this, God is always with me. And some of you need to tell yourself that in this very moment. God is always with me. It doesn't matter what the job said, God is with me. It doesn't matter what people say about me, God is with me. It doesn't matter what my boss says, God is with me. It doesn't matter what the situation seems like, God is with me. 
I don't know if you believe it yet. Do me a favor. On the count of three, would you all declare that over your life? One, two, three. Yes, he is. And if God is with you, who can be against you? You know, that's something David understood so well. Booker T. Washington said this. I have learned that success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. I need to leave that up for a second. Someone needs a picture of that. If the measure of a person's success is the ob obstacles they've overcome, the valley is the perfect place to build your resume. And David had an extensive resume. He dealt with things. And he walked through his valleys. And he had discouragements. And he says this in the psalm. Wait, wait I can see people taking pictures. I'm going to pause just for you. You got two more seconds. One, two. All right. He says this in the Psalms. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. Through David's life, we see a patient, painful perseverance with his hope in God. Do you remember what we read earlier in 1 Samuel 22.3? He said, until I know what God is going to do for me. He didn't say if, because he knew God would. He didn't say when, because that's God's business. He said, until I know what? In other words, I wait on God until I know what? But waiting usually takes place in the valley. And if we're honest, waiting on God is the hardest kind of waiting to do. Because you know what God showed you. You know God knows it all. And you know God sees the situation. And you're talking to God like, fix this. You're looking at God like, I'm waiting. Would you solve this situation? You want to get where God called you to go. God wants to get your heart where he can use you. And he's taking you through the valley for a reason. And David had his valley moments. One particular one that's always stood out to me was when David is in the cave of Adullam. He's by himself. He's alone with his own thoughts. And I always figure, you know, he kind of sat in his cave and wondered to himself, why am I here? What did I do wrong? And the prophet Jeremiah says this, and it kind of speaks to that. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. I love that verse. What I love is the word test. That word test means to scrutinize, to examine. So God says, I, the Lord, I'm examining your life. I'm examining your valley. I'm watching how you handle it. He's, that's my boy. I put that in him. That's my girl. She knows what to do. I, the Lord, prepared her for this. And I guess my question for you is, how's it going in your valley? As God's watching and he's looking, because he knows, he knows the plan he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a hope in the future. He knows that, but he also knows you need the valley to be ready for it. Because if you get to the castle too soon, the castle will crush you. And God's preparing you. In the valley, he's refining you. He's developing you. You know, you're like the blind man. 
You're all like the blind man. You know, the blind man in John, Jesus' disciples come to him and they say to him, why is he born blind? Is it his sin or his parents? Even that, if you listen to that, it sounds, why is he born blind? Was it his sin? I said, Wait a minute, he wasn't born yet. How's he born blind? But they ask him this random question, and Jesus responds and says this. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered this, and this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Can I propose this? That everything happening in your life, everything you're experiencing, is so that the power of God can be shown in your life. Because you're thinking, this is a wasted season. God is saying, I'm using it. You don't understand. There's always somebody watching. And while you're walking through your valley, while you're carrying weights, while you're making it happen, someone is watching and saying, how are you doing that? It's something special when you can walk through the fire, come out unburnt. Everyone around you says, how'd you do that? You say, because of God. And then they see the power of God being used in your life. You think your valley is for no reason. It prepares you. But in the same valley, it helps other people. And David wasn't alone forever. The Bible tells us that as in the cave... His brothers and his relatives come to join him. These are the same people who at one point rejected David, didn't treat him too right. And David in that moment could have said, I want nothing to do with you. I want to get even with you. I'm mad at you. You hurt me. Now I'm going to hurt you. In David's valley, God gave him a chance to make peace with the people who caused him problems. In David Valley, God gave him a chance to be a person of peace. David looked past his own pain, and he saw people who needed his help. Here's my point. To be in the palace, you have to be a person of peace. Here's my challenge. While in your valley, would you help those who didn't necessarily help you? Would you reach out to those where it won't benefit you at all. Where your goal is simply this, I want to help other people. Could you do that while you're in your own valley? Because God can honor that thing. God can look down at it and say, you know what? You're growing now. Because that's maturity. And just like with you, so with David. After his, his brother and family came, after he forgave them, after he accepted them, then the Bible says this. Then others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Make no mistake. First he was faithful with a few. Then God said you can minister to many. Even though he was in his valley, he was called to serve others in their valley. And so are you. I know you might feel scared. I know you might feel hurt. I know you might feel abandoned, but if you would serve others and trust God in your valley, you would experience the uncommon sensation of achievement while extending your hand to someone else. Do you believe it? David would go on to lead these men into many battles and continue to grow his gifts of leadership. 
But through examining David's valley experiences, we can start answering some questions of our own. Like, why am I here? Maybe the question should be, who can I help? What did I do? It's for God's glory. It's all for God's glory. Have I missed my opportunity? The journey's just begun. And as you walk through your valley, there are four, four lessons or four things I want to use to encourage you as you walk through your own personal value, valley. And if you keep these things in mind, I do believe they'll encourage you, they'll prepare you, and they'll help you to handle anything that comes at you. Number one would be this. Be patient. There's patience from God, which he gives to us, the grace he gives to us. There's the patience of God, which we give to other people. But sometimes we miss this. There's patience with God. Where I think we need to be able to say, God, I fully trust you. God, I fully turn this over to you. God, I fully expect you're going to come through for me. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to be patient about it. And if you can trust God and allow him to guide you over the voices around you and over the pressure inside of you, I do believe you'll begin to experience this uncommon sensation of achievement. If you're just patient. A lot of times it's the rushing in us and the desire just to get it done. I got to make it happen. I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to, well, if it's all on you, where's the room for God? Because then you're like, why does it seem like everything's weighing on me? Well, because you keep taking everything on you. If you pause for a minute and say, well, it's going to happen. How's it going to happen? I don't know. It's going to happen, though. I can't imagine any season in my life where I trusted God. He didn't come through. Even in seasons where you think things are going so wrong or people are being so wrong. You know what? Just pray about it. That's my secret. That's the sauce right there. I pray about everything. I go to God. Someone's saying something I don't like. Someone's doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah, I love you. Get him, God. Get him now. But I love you. You heard what I said, God? I love you, though, bro. I'm just... But God will always come through if you're just patient with him. The next point is this. Be available. If you look around this church, you'll see 18 members all around this church. They show up early. They leave last. They've made it a point to say, we're going to serve other people, even though they might be in their valley. And the valley isn't a bad place. I don't want you to think the valley is a bad place. The valley is a necessary place. The valley is a growing place. The valley is a healthy place if you know what the valley is. But they can be in their valley serving other people. That's what I call ministry. I have a friend of mine. His name is Jordan, and he works at this establishment where, you know, they serve food. People are going through the drive-thru. And he's, he said to himself, I'm going to make it a point to be available to God. He can use me however he chooses fit. So he starts to say to everyone that comes through this window, God bless you. Have a great day. God bless you. Have a great day. One day, someone posts on the city Facebook page, I went through this drive through today, and this guy was so upbeat and so encouraging. It made my day. That's cool. Yeah, but here's what's cooler. 468 plus messages later, people are saying, I know that guy too. My son loves him. We always go there. He makes our day too. He is amazing. We love seeing him. And he didn't even know. 
But he got to experience the uncommon sensation of achievement just by being available. And you never would have known it. You don't have to be in church to do it. You can be available wherever you are. Here's my point. When Cain slain Abel, God said, where's your brother? He responds back, am I my brother's keeper? That question has never left my mind. That question traveled through time, met Christ on the cross where he said, yes, I am. I am my brother's keeper. You go and be the same now. I have the band come up. Point three is this. Embrace the valley. Get all you can while you're in your valley. Do all you can while you're in your valley. Don't allow this opportunity to pass you by. While you're in your valley, don't make excuses. Don't get down. Don't say, I can't. Don't say, what's happening? Don't say, why? Say, God, what are you going to do next? Embrace the valley as a place where you're going to grow into who God called you to be. Too often, we're so focused on the castle that we let the current situation go to waste. We're so focused on what's to come they will let greatness, greatness pass us by in the moment we're in. You don't have to get the castle to be the king. Before David was the king of a castle, he was the king of his valley, a king in a cave. And you can be queens and kings right where you are in your current situation. Would you stand to your feet? My last point is this. Worship in your valley. Sometimes you got to let the devil know, I know the God of the valley. And he'll throw things at you and things will happen in your valley. But if you can worship in your valley and declare God is God over your valley, then that anointing will be on you. Then God will be walking with you. You remember Samson? They said when the lion came and roared at Samson, the anointing came upon him from the slay that thing. And when you're walking with God through your valley, whenever something comes up, God jumps in front of you and says, oh no, he's mine. She's mine. We're walking through this valley together. If you can keep your eyes on him and your heart in him, you would trust him. He'll walk with you through every valley in your life. Do you believe it? Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.